You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown! We're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Ross Uglum is on the show from Packer Report for Expert Tuesday. We are going to talk about the Packers in the wake of their Thursday night win. Try and figure out what is real and what isn't. And then talk about the offense. And and I think probably say a lot of nice things about what they've been able to do and where they're able to go here in 2020 and beyond. I want to start the show, though, with a discussion about the things that don't work about this team. And that's not a negative, because I think some of the criticism that's been out there about this team is wrong. Let me explain. Over the last two years, it has been the case that in games that the Packers have lost and there have been very few of them, that the run game has been a big part of what the defense has been unable to contain. And this is true actually going back even further than the Matt LaFleur era. And from a a defensive standpoint, in terms of opponents, they've been able to, in many cases, rush Aaron Rodgers, create pressure, and Green Bay has not handled that pressure particularly well. But I don't think it's fair to say that Green Bay cannot handle a physical game. And this is something that we've talked about on the show before, but it bears repeating. When you go back, go back to the Dom Capers struggles post Super Bowl. In 2011, it is the case that the pass rush for the Giants created problems for Aaron Rodgers, but they didn't lose to that Giants team because the Giants were more physical. They lost to the Giants because that defense was all-time bad. The the, the all-time yardage that they gave up. And by the way, the Seahawks are on, on pace to break the yardage numbers that that 2011 Packers team allowed. And it was really a couple of just egregiously bad long passes, including an end-of-half Hail Mary from Eli Manning that sunk that game. In in 2012, it was, of course, the run game with Colin Kaepernick. But the reason they couldn't contain Colin Kaepernick wasn't because the 49ers were a more physical team. It was because no one on the field was as athletic as Colin Kaepernick because No one could catch him because none of the Packers edge players had a chance to contain him because they didn't have the athletic talent he did. 
That was true to, to a similar extent in 2013. And then in 2014, the same was true of Russell Wilson. They, would, they were running zone read. Green Bay had no answers. They could get the ball to Percy Harvin. You think back to that week one game in 2014. Green Bay had no answers. They had no team speed at the linebacker position, the safety position, and to to a certain extent, the cornerback position. Tremont Williams and Sam Shields could run, and Sam Shields in particular was extremely fast. But the team speed was lacking. The athleticism overall was lacking, and that doomed this team year after year after year. I don't want to talk about the athleticism part or the physicality part with the pass rush because I just think that's a that's a fundamental misunderstanding of of how pass rush works. Not every pass rusher does it with sheer brute force. In fact, most don't. Most great pass rushers do it because they have an array of pass rush moves. They have um, not just understanding of angles, but uh, they have specific plans and uh, 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 ways to attack offensive linemen with their hand placement, their hand usage, the pass rush moves, and the array of ways that you can attack an offensive lineman. The Packers couldn't block Melvin Ingram and and Joey Bosa because they were too soft to do it. They couldn't because those guys are really freaking good. David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga are not soft. They just didn't play well against those guys, and they lost. You know what the common denominator of all the losses are for the Packers in the Matt LaFleur era? They didn't play well. They didn't play well. And sometimes it really is that simple. Their speed now, luckily, is better. There are still problems with technique. There are still problems with read and react. There are still problems with tackling. That's not physicality. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not out-muscle the Packers. They did not out-physical the Packers. They're faster. They played more aggressively. It's a mindset. And I know that you can say, oh, uh, you know, Green Bay, when, when they get punched in the mouth, they don't react well. I don't, I don't know if I agree. They go down early to the Vikings in week one. They come back and they win that game. They go down big early to the Lions in week two. They come back and win that game. Those teams are better, by the way, than we thought they were at the time, clearly. In fact, that week one team, more talented than the team the Packers lost to two weeks ago with the Minnesota Vikings. This is uh, this is not something where it's like, oh, uh, you know they have no they have no backbone. I do think there are things that you can point to and say when this team doesn't have it going early, they don't have the leadership to put it together. They don't have. You can call it mental toughness to find a way to get there. Maybe that's something that that you can say. I don't know if it's something that I would say, but you, but what you want is in those moments, you want someone on your team to be able to say, this is not going down like this and we need to play better. And they do. And instead of losing 38 to 10, they lose 38 to 24. And it just looks a little bit better. It feels a little bit better. But ultimately, does it matter in the outcome? Mm, it really doesn't. And I want to add this point on. What did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do on Sunday night? 
because the idea was the Buccaneers are more physical, they're tougher, and yet on Sunday night, the Saints destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. Can they not take a punch now? Because they punched the Packers. And and apparently that's, you know, that's proof that, that the Packers suck now or something. I don't know. I'm not the one making that case. When you look at what the Buccaneers are, for example, you can look at that game. Aaron Rodgers said it after. I, I don't think it's a trend. I think it's an aberration. Well, who have the Buccaneers been outside of that game? They've been sloppy. They've been inconsistent. And they have not played particularly impressive football, especially the last month. If you take out, if you take out the Packers game over the last month of the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it is not particularly impressive. If you take out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game for the Green Bay Packers and look at the last month, turns out it's much more impressive. Who have these teams been over the course of their season? Well, the Buccaneers lost to the Bears. They had to come back to beat a bad Chargers team, a Chargers team that invents ways to lose. Yeah, they beat the Raiders. They 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 beat the Giants because Daniel Jones missed a wide open receiver. And then they get absolutely demolished by the Saints 38 to 3. So, okay, over that time period they're 3 and 2, but I mean, one and a half of those games is impressive. And if you go back to the Chargers game, half of that game was impressive too. All of this context matters. And and we like to make these reactions based on one game, two games, three games. And it just doesn't work that way. Take a look at all of the data. Take a look at the data in aggregate and you will see a team that plays really well. And this has been the Aaron Rodgers MO over the course of his career because Oh, they go down two scores and and they don't win. You know who doesn't win when they go down two scores? Anyone. Being bad at coming back is is not necessarily something that I worry about. You know what I you know what I worry about? Teams that have to come back a lot. If you have to come back a lot, it's because guess what? You're not very good. And so if it's the case that the Packers are losing in in the games that they lose, they get blown out because they no show. Look, every team every year no shows to some degree, two or three times a year. Every year, everyone does it. And it just frankly doesn't bother me that that's what happened in these losses because we don't remember what happened in the wins. Packers come back to beat the Lions last year twice in games that they didn't lead at all. Come back twice in those games, including a a huge game in Week 17 with a lot of pressure, all the pressure on them and no pressure on the Lions. With Matthew Stafford, early in the season, it happens. So I I just, I I frankly don't want to hear it. I I just don't buy it. I don't think it's real. I don't think this team lacks mental toughness. I think they play better as front runners. But guess what? When you're a good team who plays from the front, it's a pretty good trait to be a front runner. Before we get to Ross, let's talk about our friends at Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Axon. 
Protecting my family is my number one priority, but I want to do it safely. The people at Taser believe that safer defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry around with you in your glove department or purse. Plus, they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your location. More than 237 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or the Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL. Save 15% now at taser.com slash NFL. That's T-A-S-E-R dot com with the promo code NFL. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, let's get to our friend Ross Uglum. He is the publisher at Packer Report, a longtime friend of the program, my boss at Packer Report. In fact, you can follow him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Ross, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. Yeah, for sure, man. I uh, appreciate the invitation. Excited to be here. Uh, somewhat, I would say, excited to be halfway uh, through the season. And a season that, you know, if we're really being honest about it, we were not sure we were going to get. So I think we have to cherish all of these opportunities to talk football, even if it's going to be Packers-Jaguars in a game that is going to be ugly, even if the Packers win it convincingly. And certainly will be ugly if they don't. Uh, One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, though, is because we have this Packers 49ers game that I think is difficult for us to parse in a lot of ways because San Francisco comes in really shorthanded. But at the same time, Green Bay goes out and plays the game that we wanted to see them play. And they play better in the trenches as Ben Fennell uh, uh, really, uh, I thought, did a great job of breaking down in The Athletic, talked about the front change that the Packers went to to combat Kyle Shanahan's offense. I, I think that that you are someone who understands a lot of the stuff going on in the trenches, and that's why I wanted to have you on here. As you look at what Green Bay was able to do with San Francisco, is that something that you think can help the running game moving forward in every circumstance, or was this something that you thought was unique to what the 49ers did, what the 49ers were in that game playing with so many of their guys out? Uh, a little bit of both, which I think is that's the fun, right? right. That's the the gray area. That's where, you know, the analysis comes into play. I mean, I think you, you play that bear, that one six is what it basically equates to being. And um Boy, it makes the second level a little dicey, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you've, got, you've got, you know, that many guys. Uh, but when you are trying to gap the, the Packers and when you are having everybody, you know, kind of run that outside zone scheme, uh, it does make life a little bit more difficult when there's an actual physical defender in each gap. And then that linebacker is allowed to, to kind of stay free. I, I think it was encouraging just to see you know like hey this is now how many times in a row where Matt LaFleur has said we know what's coming or he's made some sort of offhand Mm -hmm. comment about Mm -hmm. boy we we kind of knew what was going to happen there (laughs) and and it seemed like finally the the defensive coordinator 
came up with a plan and and it worked. And I think, you know, I, I think my first line of the after further review, which is where I, I right away, you know, even before the film is out, I go and look at the TV copy and just kind of free associate some of my thoughts and <laughs> right. put them up over there on, on Packer report, mm-hmm. uh, dot com. And, and my, the first thing says, guys, this doesn't change anything I felt about the green Bay Packers coming into the game. The middle of the field defense was still awful. Contain was still a struggle, but ultimately what matters. And this is something I think you've said, Pete, is that good teams blow out bad teams. Right. And that's what they did. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, we, we came into, the week going, a lot of Packer fans, a lot of media. I mean, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on the broadcast were talking about, yeah, the, the 49ers are really shorthanded, but we still think they can be a really tough matchup for the Packers. That's the kind of respect that people have for Kyle Shanahan, and rightfully so. He is an incredible offensive mind. So Green Bay goes out and they get the turnovers that they need. They get the you know, the pass rush performance from Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. You get the the secondary players, Montrevious Adams and Tyler Lancaster playing a little bit better. And all of a sudden the defense does what you want it to do, at least in terms of the outcome here. So you mentioned that there are still some issues. Are those things that you think can be locked down with some more reps? Or is the talent on this team just going to make it so this is going to be a problem and they're just going to have to work around it for the rest of the year? Oh, that's a great question, honestly, because like I, I don't know where the white knight comes from, you know, riding in on his horse for the middle of the field pass defense. I don't know as though that player is Kamal Martin at, at this point mm-hmm. in his career. Um, I think it's been made pretty clear that that player is not Chris Barnes, and, and maybe maybe at some point it could be. I I don't I don't know. I mean. Uh, guys like that go undrafted for a reason. I think we were really high on him, as were a lot of people, and then we've seen some regression. Christian Kirksey, maybe? Right. Uh, but again, that, that's a guy that that didn't look good right away, then got hurt. I, I think it would be a little ridiculous to expect, you know, miracles. And Raven Green, Oren Burks, you know, like all these guys, uh, Ty Summers, it's all just questionable. Very, very, very questionable. Um you know, Channon Sullivan can can help there. I, I would have re-signed Tremont Williams a month ago, but but that's you know that's just me. I I really think that that could be more of of an issue, but uh, something hopefully that can be schemed around. When as I've mentioned before, Mike Pettin sure as shooting should be able to play defense ten on ten because right now he's got the best cornerback in football. Yeah, and this and this passing defense has really not, over the course of the season, been the problem. I mean, I know the numbers uh, are not as impressive as they were last year when they were a top ten defense by DVOA. Kevin King is practicing this week, uh, and and maybe that helps against the you know the the Jaguars, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe we don't get a great test of of what that means. I don't think anyone should expect that we're going to know a lot about what this team is after you know the game that's played on Sunday, but. If they're able to, and this is something Mike Patton does willingly, he says, look, I'm going to give up this run defense so that I can play the pass. Well, that works if you can effectively play the pass. If you can't do either, and that was something that happened against the Eagles last year, for example, then you have some problems. So I guess let me ask this question again, but with the passing defense, we've seen the pass rush not show up in ways that it did show up last year. 
Is this just a matter of guys needing to play a little bit better over the next, you know, four, eight, 12 games as they get into the postseason? You know, you would hope so, uh, because the, the the other answer is is kind of scary and that that just that isn't going to work and they're going to have to right. out outscore everyone and, and you know that's where which might be the answer and that's what the seahawks are banking on right. by the way and plenty of teams yeah. want to win that way <laughs> yeah it, it, you look um at you know you mentioned dvoa there's nothing nothing great you're 29th in the league uh in in overall dvoa 25th in pass defense dvoa and 22nd in rush defense dvoa there's there's nothing you know that that would say uh there's light at the end of this tunnel. The only thing is there's, you know, they've had, according to DVOA, the sixth toughest defensive schedule. I guess that's one thing, you know, that you could hang your hat on, but tell you what you're not going to face in, in the playoffs. And that's a crappy offense, you know, almost never. I don't think uh, that's going to be on green Bay's list. I, I, well, depending on if the bears make it right, right, right. But I mean, (laughs) You know, I, I don't know what your what your hope is. Is it that the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, miraculously evolves or, or changes some of, of the things he likes to do, or or maybe you just are you know you never know health wise too. Maybe Zadarius Smith is is just getting healthy. I thought this was his best game against San Francisco. Maybe Rashawn Gary is just getting healthy. Kenny Clark hasn't been quite Kenny Clark. I mean, there's a lot of guys, right, that mm-hmm. you even look at last year where the defense ultimately was the problem. You, you, you see, well, huh, man, 2020 Darnell Savage isn't quite as good as 2019 Darnell Savage. And the same kind of goes for Adrian Amos. And right. frankly, it definitely goes for Preston Smith. And boy, Kenny Clark isn't wrecking games and Zadarius Smith kind of only wrecked the one game. And and you just kind of go down the list and it's like, my God, who on Green Bay's defense is playing better than they did last year? And that I think is is terrifying. Yeah, I think the answer is Kingsley Kiki and Jair. Well, right. And and we know we know him and 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 what he's been able to do this season. I think you could make the case for someone like Josh Jackson, but uh, to your point, I think there's there's uh, certainly some question marks there. Let's go to the offense and talk about some stuff that's a lot more fun because I don't want to be uh, doom and gloom. The Packers yeah, offense, six and two team, <laughs> right? Exactly, and 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 I don't want to you know accentuate the negatives at all times. This is still a, a six and two team that that offensively is is top three in DVOA and has been all season EPA per play, all that stuff. Zach Cruz pointed out that Aaron Rodgers is tops in passer rating. Uh, QBR, and I believe it's EPA per play. It's it's one of those advanced numbers. So offensively, do you is this just guys playing better? Is this Matt Lafleur, uh, you know, taking the next step as a play caller? What are you seeing as the big difference so far this season? Because the offense really is fun to dig in and study. Yeah, it's it's two things. Um, I think number one, and I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back for this. I, I mentioned this. I was on. Uh, Bill Michaels show in the offseason um, in right there in Wisconsin and and said with a cast of thousands I, I hope people I, I hope people really understand that eliminating just eliminating this is going to sound like being kind of a jerk but just by not having Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison on the field they're going to be a better I mean th- those guys were 
absolutely 100% playing below replacement level football yep. for hundreds of snaps yeah. and and just just replacing those guys with average NFL players was a huge move forward but even beyond just that i think the 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 buy in from the quarterback and the buy in and the comfort level for everybody else is huge uh utilizing Tyler Irvin in his role has been massive. You can really see the difference in Green Bay's quality of play with him in the game and with him not, with him available. I would actually, look, I love Tyler Irvin. I would like to see them in the draft kind of assess that spot as well uh, with maybe a Debo Samuel type. I don't think you have to release Tyler Irvin or move on for Tyler Irvin, but I think this offense could use another player whose skills are, are something like that uh and and then the big thing is just and we haven't seen it for a while but the emergence of alan Alan lazard is huge and and i think is going to be huge moving forward you talk all all just at absolute ad nauseum about wr2 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 it's alan lazard it always has been uh he showed that in new orleans and then unfortunately you know got himself hurt I think that that this offense potentially getting Bakhtiari back, having Billy Turner play at such a high level at really any spot you put him at, and the exact same thing goes for Elton Jenkins, I think you could really be kind of unlocking what this Packers offense could truly be once they do get Lazard and Adams together healthy and really start pulling coverage away from Tunyon and and Sternberger. Boy, I think that that you're going to really have to pick your poison if you're an opposing defense. Yeah, th- this is number one on the list of reasons why I I was extremely high on Antonio Gibson for the Packers, and why if if they take him in the second round instead of AJ Dillon, I have an entirely different feeling about what that draft looked like. Let me get you to weigh in on this because it's something we talked about in the open, and I wrote about it for Acme Packing Company yesterday. Uh, my the point that I that I tried to make was, you know, we, we we hear about the physicality and and Green Bay's run defense and the pass rush for opponents against Green Bay and that that Aaron Rodgers has had some issues against pressure and, and that stuff is true, but it always gets boiled down to this idea of physicality, and the point that I tried to make was, you know, physicality certainly plays a role, but a lot of what has given Green Bay problems over the years is actually speed. And that especially on defense, they have lacked speed to make up for some of the other deficiencies that they've had. Where are you in this discussion? And and do you look at them and the losses that they've had and go, yeah, this is a problem of physicality? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it, I I think like like just mental toughness and, and just kind of being soft is an issue. Um, you, you, you see... The Packers and in the Lafleur era, uh, very few you know big come from behind wins, and I, I hate the fetishization of of of, come for, of comeback wins. You know, oh Aaron Rodgers only has so many fourth quarter comebacks, yada yada. But when you really look at the losses of the Lafleur era, twice to San Francisco Chargers, I think Vikings really being kind of a outlier, and let's just call it like it is that game was played in a tornado. Like that is yeah. an outlier. 
you play the the Minnesota Vikings ten times in Lambeau Field when it's seventy degrees. Green Bay wins nine. Um, the the lack of fight in this team when they do get punched in the mouth, I think, is more concerning than and, and team speed. Although, like you look at track speed, combine speed, constantly they are the ones drafting the best athletes. Like mm-hmm. they're 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 kind of obsessive with that kind of deal. Uh, but you you just see you know the way except they that get linebacker somehow. You're right, right. But 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 even Oren Burks was you know, True. and he just didn't work yep. out. Like Oren yep. Burks is a is a freak, uh, and and yeah, tight end and linebacker seems to be somewhere they just don't care. Like you even see the the acquisition of Dax Raymond, and you look at his athletic profile, you're like what the hell is this? <laughs> but it, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think you know, as I mentioned, really getting just punched in the mouth by like Bosa and Ingram, Barrett and JPP, uh, and then then of course. The other Bosa and Buckner and and D Ford and all that other mess. That's when when Green Bay runs into problems when they just get smacked in the mouth and can't block the the, the players in front of them and and that's where you see these rare losses under Matt Lafleur with you know as I mentioned with the the, the outlier kind of being um, that that Minnesota game the offense. Didn't really struggle that all, that much in the in the loss against Philly last year, but Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, you know, I mean, just little little. And there were a lot of things that went on in that game, but that's that's what what I struggle with is uh, Matt Lafleur when he loses, boy, he he takes he takes it on the chin, and and you you've seen he goes big. blowout losses, <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, that Tampa <laughs> loss and those two San Francisco losses are, and honestly, they were never in that Chargers game either. No, they really weren't. So, and, and what what I think we talked about really, Peter, is we talked about not letting the negatives overshadow the positives, and that's really what I want to kind of have the message be from my end of the table here, uh, moving into the second half of the season. You have to be just ecstatic. I mean, okay, if I you we're doing schedule release night, you're going to tell me I'm on all sorts of drugs if I say, oh no. They win in Minnesota, they win in New Orleans, and they kick the crap out of San Francisco in San Francisco. You tell me I'm nuts. Green Bay is six and two. And look, I, I get it. That you you cannot lose to that Minnesota team at home. I understand that. But Green Bay has banked four road wins. Yep. And that is a big freaking deal. You you bank four road wins. I think they have, you know, two of their their last road games are very winnable. I think a six and two road record is not outside the realm of possibility. I think they, they absolutely will be favored by Detroit. And, and I think Chicago's gonna have have absolutely folded up shop by week 17. Uh, and I don't I don't know as though they're guaranteed to lose that one in Indianapolis either. I think you know there are, is very real reason for optimism, especially you know, you, you would hope that and I I I I get it. I called the the home game against Minnesota a layup too, and and I I, I feel badly about that. But uh, home against Jacksonville, home against Philly, and, and home against Chicago. I mean, you you would feel pretty darn good about those three games. Yep. I just I think there's reason to be a little bit more optimistic. Uh, FPI, the ESPN's FPI came out today and said the most likely number one seed in the NFC is the Green Bay Packers. Five thirty-eight degrees, by the way. Little, right, five thirty-eight degrees. I think this, we're because of so many 
late season kind of heartbreaks. I think this is a little bit of a fatalistic fan base right now. <laughs> and I, I just yep. want everyone to know that they've got a pretty darn good football team. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And, and uh, I think so does the audience Ross. Um, you, there's a lot of work that, that you do. So let my audience know where they can find the stuff that you're doing if they don't already know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, part of the team over at pack a day, uh, podcast Jacob Morley and I should have something going. I think probably honestly to today, like when when you're listening to this, I should be on that show. And then, as as most folks know, I am and have been the publisher of Packer Report over at uh, over at CBS, basically. And right now, we are running a fifty uh, percent off special on the old uh, annual. Um, VIP subscription, lots of really cool stuff comes along with that as well. Or if you're in the mood to just give us a shot and Peter has a column over there as well and just kind of check us out, we're doing a month for a dollar. And I I, I, I kind of stress this because it's important. Our cancellation process is one email. So it's really if you want to check us out for the next four games and, and kind of see some of Dusty's film stuff and Pete's column and, and some of my stuff as well, spend that dollar if you hate it after a month and you, you really feel like it was a waste of a dollar, I will Venmo you one dollar. <laughs> you will not. I have not heard anyone, not a single person in my mentions yet. has said, yep. I signed up and I'm un, I'm unsigning up. No back. one has ever yep. said that to me. And and we're we're what now six months into the new the newly launched, maybe more of the newly launched Packer report. Check that stuff out. And I very much appreciate you now mentioning Andy Herman. Ross. Thank you for being unlocked on Packers. Thanks, Peter. All right, before we finish up here, let's talk about our friends at Built Go. You've heard me talk about Built Bar, but what happens when the makers of the best tasting protein bar on the market make the best tasting energy supplement on the market? Whether it's a mental or a physical wall you want to break through, Built Go can help you get there. It's a one and a half ounce package, so it's easy to now not only take, but take with you, put it in your briefcase, put it in your purse, put it in your golf bag, put it wherever you need to get that little extra energy boost whenever you need it. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash, plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. It comes in three delicious flavors, and because it's from the makers of Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever, you know it tastes good. Go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCK to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED at BuiltGo.com to get 20% off. BuiltGo, let's go. Today's episode is also brought to you by Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. With the power of academic medicine, the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network makes more possible, more humanly possible for patients. More innovations that lead to life-saving treatments, more breakthroughs for complex diseases, and more locations across the region so that academic medicine is never far. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is Eastern Wisconsin's only academic health system. Academic medicine happens through a partnership between a medical school and its affiliated hospitals and clinics. 
Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find groundbreaking cures, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. Academic medical centers provide greater access to clinical trials, which can lead to breakthrough treatments and life-saving drugs. Freighter and MCW physicians have been a part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent diagnose and treat diseases. It all adds up to more possibilities. And when we do everything humanly possible, you can too. To learn more, visit www.freighter.com. All right, tomorrow we bring back Lee Zhao for Zhao You Doing. Of course, crossover Thursday, Locked on Jaguars and Locked on Packers and our live show on Friday. A lot to get to, a lot of guys coming back. Jamal Williams back at practice, Kamal Martin back at practice. Remember, they were high-risk contacts, not positive tests for the Packers in terms of their COVID list. So some good news coming in there. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.